This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, at the kitchen table. Pull up a seat. Miss E will be along shortly. Uh, She's actually milking the last goat right now. We are up to three milking goats, and uh, we are down to two baby goats right now. This is uh, uh, a a wonderful development here that we only have uh, two baby goats. They are in the house. I got to say they are very calm, very relaxed compared to uh, Brutus and Julius, the goats that were born on the Ides of March. But uh, we'll talk about that when Miss E joins us here in a couple of minutes. We're going to do things, I guess, a, a little out of sync uh, on this episode since uh, Miss E will be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. I figured uh, I would use this opportunity to get to some of your emails, and thank you for uh, writing in this week. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. We heard from our friend Bailey, who says it's uh, been a few weeks since he last checked in, figured he was due. He says... Uh, Wisconsin held its primaries this week. Proud to be one of the thousands of millennials who turned out. Unfortunately, it says down here in Milwaukee, not every election went as I wanted it to, but uh, that's how it goes. Unfortunately, yeah, Bailey, you uh, you can't win them all. Although I have to say, uh, I think overall, it was a pretty good night there uh, in Wisconsin. Turnout was high uh, for the Republicans. I think you had uh, more turnout actually on the Republican side than on the Democrat side. You had a state Supreme Court election in which the uh, uh, judge who had been appointed by Scott Walker uh, was running for a full 10-year term, and uh, she won election, I think 53 47%. So I think all in all, um, while you might not have won every election, it was uh, there, there's some good signs there in Wisconsin this week. Uh, Bailey says, depending on the weather, I plan on breaking out the smoker and seasoning it next weekend. So I uh, look forward to further stories of my foray into smoking everything I can get my hands on. I want to try smoking cheese this year, Bailey. I wish you the best of luck, and I look forward to your uh, smoking adventures. But uh, I think if, if, if we're going to try something new, I want to try smoking some cheese. Um, Bailey says, I also picked up a packet of lavender seeds last week. My favorite herb, but I've never grown it from seed, only purchased pots. I'll see if I can uh, put some pictures on Instagram once I start them. This weekend, he says, the plan is to relax, hopefully get in some time at the range. I put new sights on my carry pistol, so now I have an extra excuse to go shoot it. He says, uh, if you get a chance, I would love to hear your opinions on requiring photo ID to vote as it pertains to the 24th Amendment. Uh, As always, good luck and God bless, says Bailey. Well, Bailey, thank you, sir. I appreciate you writing in. Uh, I am hoping to get a chance to uh, do a little shooting this weekend as well, although I'll be honest with you, we... uh, didn't get as much done last weekend as we were anticipating, which seems to be a common problem for us these days. But the uh, good news is the Rototiller is back in action 
Uh, we're supposed to get a freeze on Friday night, and so uh, Saturday morning, once the ground thaws out a little bit, hopefully maybe the uh, grass has been uh, killed off or stunted, but uh, Miss E and I will be outside. The The yard desperately needs mowing, or we need a lot more goats, one or the other. I'm going with the uh, mowing of the lawn. I'm, I'm not really in the uh, really in the market for a lot of extra goats right now, so one of us will be mowing, one of us will be rototilling, and Hopefully, we'll get a lot of things done this weekend. Now, as for uh, voter ID and the 24th Amendment, uh, here is the 24th Amendment. The right of citizens of the United States to vote in any primary or other election for president or vice president, for electors, for president or vice president, or for senator or representative in Congress shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax. Uh, section 2, the Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. So I guess the uh, the argument then, uh, Bailey, is that this uh, voter ID requirement amounts to an unconstitutional uh, poll tax on voting. Uh, I don't think that that is the case. Actually, you know, we have seen uh, in states around the country, including, I believe, Texas, uh, IDs can be provided without any charge for those who uh, cannot afford to pay for an ID. Uh, you know, you look at, again, the election results in Wisconsin this week, you saw record high turnout uh, with these voter ID laws in place. The The intent of the voter ID laws is not to deprive people from voting. Very clearly, it's not to deprive people from voting. The idea that we, uh, the, the, the big argument that we hear is that, you know, again, this is a, a hardship, this is a burden uh, on voters. Most voters, again, not all of them, but most voters have uh, a driver's license already. Uh, for those voters who do not have a driver's license or a photo identification card that is uh, that, that can be used uh, for voter ID, it is, uh, I don't think, uh, an unreasonable burden to ask those folks to, at some point before they vote, go and get said ID, particularly, again, if it is provided without cost. So that's my position, Bailey. I don't, I don't see this as a, uh, an abridgment or an infringement of your uh, rights under the 24th Amendment. I'd be curious if you disagree. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But uh, that's what that's my take, anyway. Uh, let's see. Also, in the emails, we've got an update from Melvin, who says, Cam and Missy, thanks for the advice on hogs and goats. We took the plunge, and we now have a goat couple. What an adventure, says Melvin. It started when we took two roosters to our weekly farm auction, our first time. At our auction, there are two barns, one for large livestock and one for small stock chickens, ducks, rabbits, even guinea pigs. We had a great time talking to the chicken and rabbit folks. We asked a lot of questions, got a ton of information. Farmers, says Melvin, are friendly people. Yes, they are. Uh, Melvin says, we sold both of our roosters for about $10 each. That is when I wish that I had not butchered four others just a few days earlier. That's a pretty good price there, uh, Melvin. The fun began, he says, when we walked over to the larger barn to see if they had any goats. They had several, and my wife Sandy got excited. She wanted to buy a billy and a nanny, and we asked when the goats would be sold. They said around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That was also the time that the rabbits were selling, so Sandy decided I could go to the rabbit, should stay, and should bid on the goats. Sandy, not knowing how goats are sold, asked an older gentleman sitting beside her how to bid. He told her, you see that digital sign with the numbers on it? That's the weight, and you'll bid by the pound, cents per pound. So, now equipped with this new bidding knowledge, she was all set. Unfortunately for Sandy, says Melvin, the uh, new bidding information was for cattle, <laughs> not for goats. 
So here comes in four white saning goats, a week or so old. The sign says 40 pounds. Auctioneer said, bid on one, take as many as you want. So as the bidding starts, Sandy's doing fast math in her head. She figured she'd pay $40 or $50 for a goat at a dollar a pound. That'd only be $40. So as she bid up to the 90 cent range, a kind gentleman behind her leaned up and said, do you realize that you were at almost $100 for that goat? No, she said, I'm bidding per pound. He said, no, that's for cattle. Fortunately, Melvin says, she was outbid by a couple that had more money than brains. They paid $110 and took two. I bet the seller was happy they were there. So Sandy bids on another group of goats, this time knowing what she's doing. She got the bid for $40. And the auctioneer asks, how many do you want? She said two, one of each. To that, he said, well, they're all billies. So we only got one billy because there were no nannies left for sale. Melvin says our goat story has just started, but this has gone on too long. Someday I will share how we got our nanny and what happened when our baby goat thinks her dog is its mommy. That, uh, says Melvin, did not end well for the goat. (laughs) We have these goats now for two weeks, says Melvin, and they are a delight. It just brings a smile to your face just watching them. See, I told you, Melvin. I told you. You come home. The news has just got you down. The headlines are awful. You think the uh, world is just spinning apart at its axis. And then all of a sudden, you are baby goats. And, and the world just doesn't seem quite as bad, Melvin. Right? I'm, I'm not joking. Not joking. Mel and uh, Sandy, listen, thank you so much for writing in. And I would love to hear more uh, of your goat stories, including how the uh, how the nanny came to arrive. All right, we've got a couple of more emails to get to. I hear Miss E is uh, in the house, literally. Did you get, did you get that, honey? Hello. <laughs> so we'll let uh, Miss E get settled. I'm going to put the kids to bed. We'll be back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network and our kitchen table right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent and they were all talking a great game and this guy who is selling his house the founder of this uh, this company he's you know he's kind of an important guy and kind of you know should get the best treatment and he said to his wife if this is what it's like for us how do people who have no clout ever get around this so he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through Real Estate Agents I Trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Kids mostly in bed. I think somebody's getting a drink. Got to refill a water bottle. Yeah. But other than that, we're good. Goats I'm, are quiet. Miss E is here, obviously. I'm back in. Yep, everybody's milked. And this was the, uh, you said this was, this was it. You're going from three goats to two. <laughs> Yeah, well, our fir- the, the 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 first goat who had the quads that didn't make it, mm-hmm. like her milk never came in right, mm-hmm. and she's been like half crooked uttered. I think she's 
nursing on herself. But I get like maybe a cup out of her in comparison to a pint from the other two. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like for me, it's not worth the hand strength and the carpal tunnel pain that I'm going through to milk three goats when I'm only getting this little bit out of her. So I went. She had the walk of shame. She went back to the back <laughs> pasture with um, Miss Freckles and and uh, Frankie, our our weather, and uh, she was complaining. I could hear her, and I heard our uh, our uh, big half Saint and half Nigerian dwarf uh, Fiona yelling for her like i was like no i'm sorry you'll, you'll all be joined again on saturday say, yeah, or sunday this whole weekend, they're all yeah, going, they're back, all going yeah. back in the back thing we're going to expand it out give more things to eat and everything but right now it's been rainy there's only one hutch in there and mm-hmm. poor uh poor fiona she's the biggest one so the other two uh franny and fern were kind of shoving themselves inside and she's hanging with her butt out getting all wet and muddy so i thought well if it rains again tonight there's right. no, there's three huts down there with two goats and there's one hutch up here with three goats it didn't, yeah so i'm not getting i'm not working on it anymore with her next season probably be different she'll be you know healthier we'll let her take gain some weight back she got a little skinny yeah. trying to take care of quads too right carry him so she'll get some good forage and some extra grain and she's retired <laughs> for the season yeah just this season right uh and in the meantime I, I mentioned in the first segment here that uh we only have two baby goats in the house where well, we got rid of two and we have two more but they're the last two and and right, we six total we've sold four and i've actually managed to sell <laughs> Three bucklings. I know. And you've got a buyer for the fourth. Yep. So This was a year of the buck for us. Four bucklings and two dolings. Mm-hmm. It was the year of the buck for a lot a of lot people. A lot of people. And it was the year of the bull for a couple of those dairy farmers that I follow on Facebook. Oh, or really? in, in, in Instagram. Like, one woman showed me uh, the, the sheet. They have a physician come in and actually do pregnancy tests because they're a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. And almost, it was like 75% bull. Wow. Yeah. Not... Not a good thing for a dairy farm, right? Because that's just meat. Yep, exactly. kind of like boys on a. But everybody, so there, are, so most of our little boys have gone are going to, uh, f- to be pets. Yes, uh, uh, but they're going to be intact pets. They're going to be. Well, I don't know if this one is or the other one or the first one was. Um, uh, the last dude we met in the parking lot at the grocery store to sell that coat, right? <laughs> so clandestine, but it was just halfway for everybody. <laughs> it, this is like the perfect Farmville thing, you know, like it is. where you meet in the parking lot of the grocery store to swap a goat. Swap a goat. <laughs> I always, I, I met in the parking lot of a grocery store north of here to get goats from our friend Valerie at one point, and mm-hmm. to get the lamb and to do other things. So uh, that one is going to a home, and he's got he's already got two dolings, so he's already got his own little harem going on. Right. And it was really sad though Saturday when the first when Julius went Julius first, went right? first. Oh yeah, and then poor and Brutus, Brutus was, was just crying all day long. And when I sat down at like really, it was kind of late. It was like after eight eight thirty. I checked my email. I had two from the woman who was interested in him, and she was like. Hey, and she, the last one was like eight thirty eight or something. She's like, "If it's not too late, we really want to get him tonight." Here's my phone number, and so I called and I talked to her husband, and we met at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And he had a new home, and he's got two girlfriends. Yep. Uh, I think Julius is going to get a girlfriend within the next few weeks. They're getting a girl for him, but the the other two boys that I've sold, they're just going to be pets, and they're I think they're going to be weathered pets. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, it's been nice. Uh, and the goats that we have in the house right now, Bucky. 
Bucky Snowball is what Bucky I'm calling Snowball him. He's pure white with a little pink nose. I mean, he's he looks more like his mom, who's 50% Sanan and 50% Nigerian dwarf, but is all white, mm-hmm. than his crazy polka-dotted funky sister that... Uh, Kid number five is calling Toffee. That's going to be her girl. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really calm and really mellow yeah, in the house. Yeah, you don't hear it's them. It's great. Yeah, it's dark in there. They're quiet. They're not hungry yet because they had a nice big, they, they got a nice big bottle at around uh, three, four o'clock this afternoon. So mm-hmm. they're getting like three. But they just, they're just very comfortable yeah. in the house. Oh, yeah. Well, they've been here since like, like the, five or six days. So. Yeah, but Br- Julius and Brutus, we have bullet at our Well, feet, once they to got get, bigger. Like these guys are only like nine or ten days old by right. the end julius and brutus were almost three weeks old oh i know and, and it was and parkouring off the sides of a, the pen it's a really good thing that we got rid of them the day that we did because they had just gotten big enough to jump out, out. of the baby crate play area yes. that they were in they had yeah. just figured out oh if i jump and hit the top i can propel myself over yeah and These guys like, haven't figured it out yet, thank goodness. <laughs> they're actually long, more, a little bit more long-legged. But, yeah, because but of the Sanin. Yeah, because they're 5 8 Nigerian Dwarf and 3 8 Sanin. I did the math. It's like 67%, 33%. We've got an audience of one big furry dog right now who's just clamoring quietly for attention. Yeah, just putting himself ears. in faces and yeah. <laughs> right next to microphones. Hi, Bullet. How are you? There he is. He's getting petted. He's happy. Yeah, he is. Uh, all of the pigs are still around, but the uh, the garden area where they're munching is almost ready to go, I would yeah, say. Yeah, they were uh, tearing under some sections, and I was just like, just a little bit more, but we're going to have to do pooey duty again on Saturday to yeah, clear it out. I think we do one more pooey duty, maybe give them another week, and then... Yeah, I think they'll be ready to go to the butcher, and we'll be ready to use that as a garden. Yep. At least four of them. Yeah. We're keeping Abigail. Okay. Yeah, I think we've talked about that. Yeah, she's first off, she's like three years old and too fat to eat. Right. And we can't eat her. She's got too much personality now. <laughs> I mean, she's been around since we've been here. She was one of our first ladies. That's why her name was Abigail, because mm-hmm. she was for Abigail Adams. And I just feel really weird about eating her. Okay. The daughters, pff, we're good. Right. Sausage Mopsy, and bacon. Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Smog. Uh and the only one I can tell apart any of all of them is Smog. Because she's the biggest mohawk. mohawk. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm trying to think of any other uh, farm updates. The uh, seeds that we planted in the house are going great guns right now. So that's good. We've got to actually put them in some bigger pots. That'll probably be a, a Friday night event. Um, we were waiting on the peppers to pop. They were the ones that uh, that hadn't started sprouting yet. But I'm looking at... There are peppers that are sprouting. It, it was too wet. They sh- they they have a too wet environment, and I don't know if if they're if the seeds are going to come up or not. We might have to go ahead and re- replant and keep it not so damp. Oh, and okay. that was the fault of these little greenhouse boxes. It just super cooked and was really wet. Mm. I put the right amount of water in, but peppers don't like to be that wet. Okay, so we might. But I did get new peppers today. The last of the it was a back ordered type of hot pepper that I had ordered from Johnny Seeds, mm-hmm. so we got that. Uh, this week we also got our potato order from Wood Prairie, which is like up in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got three different types of potatoes, and then we got like a sampler pack. Yeah. Again, but we got like red skinned and russets and something normal, Yukon golds, and then something fancy like the 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 uh, 
the pack is like something random. Have we figured out how we're going to plant those this year? I think this year I might just go ahead and buy those potato sacks or just use some of our feed bags, poke some holes in the bottom and just do that. Mm-hmm. I've read so many people have much more success doing like one plant at a time in a bag like that. Okay. Then last I, the first year I got lucky, I guess. The second year I just I totally messed up or something. I didn't do it right and who knows, there might be t- potatoes cooking underneath the surface of the dirt even now as we speak, but I doubt it. I don't it. think so, yeah, I unfortunately. It. It'd be nice, but... The, uh, the moles and voles have eaten them, if, the, if not the bunny rabbits and the worms. Right. So. Yeah, it has been... Uh, oh, it, it's been a, yes. oh, I'm sorry, but and the last thing we got is horseradish, mm-hmm. but it can't go into the ground until the ground is at least 50 degrees like the potatoes, and we had a frost this week. And it's going to have, have a freeze this freeze weekend. This yeah. weekend. So we have to wait a little bit. So right now they're sitting in the bottom drawer of the poultry, uh, the the fridge for the produce. The oh, poultry, okay. Pr- the produce. Yeah, it has been a uh, a quintessentially spring week here. We started out with seventy six degrees, and then it dropped down to like a low of twenty nine the uh, the night after that, and then it's been fairly nice. We had some crazy strong uh, storms pass through today with a little <laughs> bit of hail and a lot of lightning. Pouring rain this morning. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to wait to milk because I usually milk around eight. And it was, there was a downpour mm-hmm. from the time we were supposed to take the kids to the bus stop. And as soon as I get online to say, hey, I'm going to be a little late this morning because my goats, they don't like to come out in the rain. They're not going to come out in the pouring rain to get milked. And it just stopped. It like stopped so suddenly and then was sunshiny. It was bizarre. <laughs> but then this, this evening... It, it it had poured and poured and poured and poured and sort of cleared up and I was like okay and um, but then it started again but not only was it pouring rain it was hailing it's like it's April it doesn't hail in sure it does. around here in April that's, that's usually a, sp- a summer storm thing eh, spring and summer it's not summer anywhere near it I mean obviously no, if it was it was so cold spring. yesterday we're like sitting in the soccer bleachers freezing our tuchuses off watching the <sighs> The kid number three's game, just, uh, all the parents are like, I'm so glad I had a blanket in the car. It was cold. Oh, I know. Today was uh, opening day for the Lynchburg Hillcats uh, minor league baseball team, and I thought about going, but I was like, you know, it's going to be like 35 degrees outside. But then the storms tonight, Right, exactly. That was the other thing. I was like, yeah, I don't know. So maybe next week I might sneak away for a a baseball game. All righty. All right, we're going to take, I'll tell you what, we're going to sneak away just for a minute or two here, but we do have much more. 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, so stick around. Cam and Missy will be back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Out of the UK, man builds Scarlett Johansson robot from scratch to fulfill childhood dreams. The kids having sex with the robot, right? I mean, we all know that, right? You don't build a Scarlett Johansson robot to just say, hey, I built the Scarlett Johansson robot. You do it because somewhere in your mind, you're like, well. They didn't build a Rosie O'Donnell robot. (laughs) (laughs) The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks again for tuning in here to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 
Uh, we're going to get to more of your emails. I did want to mention, I got an email from someone who said, hey, I like my privacy. Don't mention my name, so I, I won't. I won't mention any details. But uh, uh, another person who did not grow up on a farm now lives on a farm with his wife. They have a, a pretty good-sized plot. And uh, he said he just wanted to let us know that he, he really enjoys the show. Uh, and he really liked the talk of Whitaker Chambers. Hmm. Take that, Miss E. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, Whitaker Chambers uh, is one of his big inspirations as well. So, I'm, hey, I'm glad to know that I'm not the uh, only one out there who remembers Whitaker Chambers these days. And B, take that, Miss E. Whitaker Chambers. Witness? But Cold Friday, we were talking about him on the show a couple weeks ago. Remember that? Yeah, wasn't he a communist? Yes. So he how left is communism. He s- oh, okay. Just checking. Yeah. That's like, what that's what Witness was all about. It was about him leaving communism and then oh, that's right. going you, to the FBI. Okay, sorry. And- You're reading so many of these books right now <laughs> that it's not really fair for me to expect to remember all of what's going on because you're, you're right. reading The Forsaken which is another one of those oh man that's the, so good these are the people who couldn't defect yeah Tim Tazuliadis is the author of this book it's yeah. the only book that he's ever written he's a documentary filmmaker from England and, go ahead and Greece. good luck looking that one up just look up The Forsaken yeah it's and a then, lot easier uh, but this is this is such a good book probably one of my top five all time history books uh, and it's the story of the Americans who went over to the Soviet Union in the early 1930s after the Great Depression had happened. And, you know, people are living in abandoned factories that have been shut down. They're living in the uh, uh, in, in the big ovens, in the steel mills. You've got families that are just have moved into the Coke ovens um, and they're, they're camping out there. Dry. Right. Uh, food lines, people sleeping in parks. People thought, you know, a lot of people thought this was the end of capitalism. And here you have this country, relatively new country, that is promising, uh, that is built on the idea that they are the way of the future. That, you know, they're saying capitalism is dead and, and over with. And they are the next step uh, in the evolution, the economic evolution of the world. And so, you you know, they were lying. <laughs> there was a lot of propaganda that went on. Uh, there were a lot of uh, people on the intellectual left here in the United States who bought into the idea. And they proselytized to get Americans to go over to the Soviet Union. And if a lot of them... you don't have any money living here, how on earth did you... You get... sold everything that you owned. Oh, even, that, even worse. And you went over there and you all I of a sudden... I suppose how immigrants came here, though. You sell everything yeah. you can... Exactly. Get away with and come here and hope for the best. You know, and as soon as they got there, they had their passports taken away by the Soviet officials. Uh, they were Soviets said that they were Soviet citizens, even though none of them, not all of them, gave up their American citizenship. We don't and then, do that to people, do we? Um, if you're no, you don't. We don't take their passports away. If you're going to be an American citizen, if you're going to apply for American citizenship, then at some point, uh, you become an American citizen. You get an American passport, right? But, but no. You have freedom of, of entry and exit uh, in the United States. You didn't in the Soviet Union at the time. No. So when the terror starts in the 1930s uh, and Joseph Stalin starts, you know, liquidating uh, huge numbers of people, this, this is, is the story really of how nice the Americans word got. for killing people. I mean, seriously. M- murdering, right. I mean, like, he just flat out murdered yeah. people like for no good reason. And so this is the story. The Forsaken is the story of those Americans who got caught up uh, in that. And, uh, well, you kind of like, sorry, you got what you, 
you know, like you want to, you, I understand it's easy to say that, but when you're talking about, you know, kids who, who, who came over there at age 15 or people who were just stupid 18 year olds, uh, who didn't have a job, who didn't have any prospects and who, you know, again, were being told, come to the Soviet Union and we will put you to work. And, well, yeah, they'll you put know, everybody to work. And you whether got, it's a factory yeah, but, job or the gulag. But see, this is... <laughs> but, again, the propaganda, it's not like we had CNN back then. It's not like we had a whole bunch of different news outlets. When you yeah, had no. the... You know, when you had the, the lead correspondent for the New York Times, Walter Durante, lying and saying that Stalin was this fantastic guy and they're really building something great over here. You had George Bernard Shaw, who was a huge intellectual. He went and he toured. They gave him the whole Potemkin tour of, of the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah, but he got the clean, nice version right. where there weren't people standing in free lines got or the cripples clean, nice or anybody version. not, they, you know. They all yeah. got that. And then they'd come back here and they'd talk about how flippin' awesome, awesome it was. It was. And you know, Big fat lies, man. So I, I don't. I, I have a lot of sympathy for people who got duped because communism does that. Communism dupes people. Uh, you know, socialism dupes people. Look at what Bernie Sanders is duping people into believing right now that you can oh, have free college. All the free that crap you can, you can have right? you want. It's not going to be free. No, it never is. And There's no it, such thing as free. So anyway, the Forsaken is a. Uh, it's 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 absolutely fantastic. At some point. We'll we'll talk about uh, why I'm reading all of this stuff. It's it, it, there is a because you've read it twice a now. Purpose, yes. <laughs> There's a method to. Well, it's the, because uh, to the you madness. you know what I think is because you read books so fast just to go through them that you don't really get everything that you need out. I suck it down and then I there there are things that I remember, but there are also things that I know that I've forgotten, mm. and so I have to go back and refresh. But uh, but one of the other things I that, suppose that's a good thing that we own somebody. You just keep rereading them, like, and then you'll finally get them all in there. Exactly. But one of the uh, one of my little projects that I'm working on here required me to uh, get a 1948 copy of a Life magazine this oh, the week. Advertisements. Were Holy awesome. moly, that was cool. Do you want to talk about? Okay, so here's my history hack. You know, we have like life hacks and stuff. Here's a history hack for you. You want to just get interested in history, go onto eBay, buy an old magazine from, you know, the thirties or forties or fifties. They're not expensive. You can get one for like 10 bucks and find something that you're interested in. When my mom passed away a few years ago, we were going through her stuff and she had these teen magazines that used to belong to my aunt. And they were this, they were from the fifties and they were called dig. Yeah. Right. Like, can you dig it? Right. And it was such a cool, like cultural artifact to just go and read, like, the everyday stuff. Oh, when I had time to kill when I was at uh, Rutgers Camden and I didn't have a class and I was kind of caught up, I would go into the stacks at the library and pull out the the bound copies of the old magazines to flip through just to see old movie stars and ads and what the cars looked like. Mm-hmm. And No, it was kind of like that with this, the magazine that you got. It was like, look, I, there were cars that we'd never heard of and right. some food brands that were like, well, wait, what? And some things that are still here and mm-hmm. going on strong from 1950-something or 1940 1948. Something? 1948. Yeah, a lot of booze ads in the yeah. magazine, too, <laughs> and right? cigarettes. Booze and cigarettes. A girdle, like a whole page girdle mm-hmm. ad. Like, it was. there were a lot of, like, this magazine was obviously... Uh, 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 merchandised to women, based upon the predominance of the ads. I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, so anyway, I, I just I think that's a, a fun way to kind of explore that everyday history. 
and to really connect with, you know, you really connect, I think, in a, in a, in a personal way with the people who lived back then when you're looking at the advertisements and you realize, oh, I have that in my fridge right now. Right. You know, it's really cool. So if it's a Saturday Evening Post, uh, Life Magazine, The Atlantic, um, you know, uh, the American Mercury was another big one. Time and Newsweek, I'm sure. They've been around forever, right? Time's been around longer than Newsweek. Okay. Uh, but yeah, old issues of oh, Time. Oh, and National Geographic. Oh, my gosh. My yeah, grandfather. They don't have very good advertisements in National. They don't have hardly any in the old no, ones. No, they don't. But they had like half-naked, weird, oh, aborigine people. And you were like, For like <gasps> 60 years, National Geographic was the way that most young people were introduced to Naked nudity. people. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, oh, my gosh. It's like the cleanest porn ever, but it really was like, oh my god, look at the they have boobs! Like seriously, it was it was kind of bizarre. But yeah. uh, I grew up in that weird generation where I think it probably was my first exposure, and then my second was uh, my brother's friends. No, it was my brother's oh. friend's dad had a copy of the Madonna issue of Penthouse. I think. <gasps> oh, right. Yeah, and, I remember uh, that one. Yeah, boys will be boys. But as far as history for us, though, Mm -hmm. um, for all of our five children, I have saved the newspaper from the day they were born. And then every time I can come across a magazine for the month and year that they were born, we have it, as well as, I think, quarters. Yeah, and I've also bought... uh, Baseball card sets, f- yeah, for uh, for every year that they were born. Yep. So, the boys, so they've got that. So we got like weird history, right? Like, exactly. But it's kind of cool though. We you know magazine the newspaper from the day you're born. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at least one of the kids was born on a Sunday. So it's all, and we were near a, a big uh, city. So it's all the guts and the advertisements and the prices. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I, like I thought it was kind of cool that I, I did too. Them. I like looking back through that stuff. All right, we're going to take a, a quick time out. When we come back, we will look ahead. I don't even know what that means, but uh, maybe I should say we'll look ahead to when we come back. That probably works out better. <laughs> we'll look ahead to when we come back, and we'll have more of your emails. Versus reading hey, you know what? It is, it's a long day. I've already been uh, on in front of a microphone for like three hours. I'm entitled to... Man, I was milking in storms. (laughs) Uphill both ways. Yeah. (laughs) Stick around. We have more from the kitchen table right after this quick timeout here on 40 Acres and a Fool. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton. Bernie's had a rough time recently. I told you at the New York Daily News editorial board interview. I looked at the substance of this and thought to myself, wow, this is a guy who, when asked how he'd break up the banks, he's like, you know, it's like a, it's like a piggy bank. You, know, you take a hammer and one or two good shots right in the middle, breaks apart, the money's there. Not really. A little more complicated than that to break apart the banks. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool. Ha, we, we fooled you. <laughs> Switch this things is Missy. up a little bit. Switch things up a little bit. Holla. Oh, you know, I do want to say, because um, I get some emails and stuff, the the whole Miss E thing, it's not Missy. No, it's... It's Miss E, like like the Duck Dynasty, Miss K. Right. Right. That's where we kind of got it from. We were just <laughs> right. being, it was like tongue in cheek, like, blah, without giving out my name, because I never liked it anyway, and I'm not giving you my nickname, so it's Miss 
E. Let's call you Apollonia. Oh. And you? What do you dream about? Man, she's like got to be the worst actress I've ever seen in anything. And she was only in Purple Rain. It could be Apollonia 7. Because the band was Apollonia 6, I think, right? Yeah, but that was so many years ago. We're talking like Apollonia 26 and a half now. I mean, like, really... So we have some more uh, emails to get to, uh, including one from Charity. I know that we've heard from Charity uh, before. In fact, I know we haven't heard from Charity, but Charity, I'm glad that you wrote in. She says, I enjoyed your podcast. I can really relate with the struggles and accomplishments of having a homestead. Three years ago, our family bought eight acres of land near a small town in South Dakota. So I have to ask Charity, do you know Benny Spies? <laughs> everybody in South Dakota know Benny? Right? I, I, I kind of think so. So okay. I just have to ask, say, say hi to Benny for us. Uh, it was always our dream to move to the country, Charity says. A lot of people thought we were crazy for moving out of the city when many people are doing the opposite. Our property sits next to a pond. We are only five minutes from two lakes, which makes my husband very happy since he is an avid fisherman. I bet you do, actually. I bet you do know Benny Spicer. At least I bet your husband knows uh, Benny. Yeah. She says the pond attracts different varieties of ducks and geese. You can often hear or see pheasants in the pasture. Right now, she says, we only have about 20 chickens, but we're hoping to get feeder cow and a few pigs in the next few years. We've, 20 chickens is a lot of chickens. It is a lot of chickens. Uh, we've always had a big garden, and we planted a few apple trees last year. Okay, so I have to ask Charity, how did yours fare over the winter and, and really over the fall? Did you have trouble with deer because... We got two eaten yeah. from deer. The good news is, though, I guess we only had two eaten as yes. opposed... Because they were all in the same general area. So. Yeah, we have like a little orchard. Right. And I planted nine. Seven are still doing well and they have blooms and leaves on them. But yeah, it's kind of hard. I think we might have to think about fencing in the orchard, too. I think you're right. Uh, Charity says, I grew up a city girl, but I spent a lot of time on a farm helping my stepdad, who is a third generation farmer. So, unlike a lot of people, I'm familiar with where my food comes from. 15 nice. years ago, she says, my stepdad died from cancer when he was 50. She says, I watched the farm that he loved becoming something that he wouldn't recognize today. So maybe that's why it was important for me to get my own piece of land to honor him. Oh. She said, I'm sorry this email is so long. And don't, first of all, anybody who writes don't, in, don't, you don't, don't have to apologize. apologize. I, I, I like long emails. Yeah, we like, the, <laughs> we like stories. Exactly. Uh, Charity says, but one last thought. I find myself becoming sad when I think about the future of farming or of country living. Out here, most old farmhouses have been torn down for new ones. And it seems that a small farm is rare, even out here, as land is gobbled up by bigger farms. It seems like people are so eager to forget the past, even in the heartland, says Charity. You know, Charity, I, I, there are people who are eager to forget. There are people who still do want to remember. There are people like you and people like me. If you're listening to this podcast, there's probably at least a part of you that, uh, that, that, that objects to this, that, that says, look, that's fine if you want to move to the city. And it's it's even fine if that's the uh, the way of things, that more and more people are moving to the city. But it is not fine that we uh, forbid, that we make the, the, the rural spaces such a forbidding place to live that nobody can. Yeah. No. You know? Yeah. Uh, we have always had a country, uh, and I think we've always had a big enough nation charity where, you know, there is room. Uh, to grow in the cities, but there is also there there has been a frontier for a long time. There's been that space where you can go if you want to be an individual, if you want to uh, have uh, put forth the effort and the sweat equity 
uh, that you can build something for yourself. And I think that's very important uh, for this country. I, yeah, you know, when it's we, always been the mentality, man, the homesteaders. Mm-hmm. Go you know, and the last homesteaders, what, 1970s in, in Alaska. 80, 87, I think, is when the yeah. last homesteading program ended. And that, that's not that far back. It's not. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Charity. I really am. And I, I, you know, I drive from Farmville to DC probably once a month or so. And I usually take the same route and it takes me about three and a half hours. And I drive past a lot of really cool old farms that are falling apart. Yeah. It's so sad. And they're just awesome houses and they're just so forgotten and forlorn and you just want to buy them all. But some of them are just so far gone. They've already... You know, they're 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 past saving at that point. And then there are the ones where you see the for sale signs pop up uh, and they stay up for a long period of time. I mean, there have been homes for sale since we moved down here over three years ago. Yeah. Farms and homes and like big land plots. There's some place that we used to drive past on the way back and forth to Washington, D.C. on uh, on one of those sides. It was a big, big, huge Almost three hundred acre farm oh, with a still, giant house. Is it still? I think it just went into foreclosure again. For it, went for auction, it went up for auction. It went for sale. Yeah. It went for. But it's just the house is so huge, and it's just so. I don't. I. I. I have. You can't get close enough to look. But I don't think it would take so much. It, it looks like a gigantic money pit. Yeah. But it's in such a fantastically beautiful location. Right. It's in a historic district of these big and, old. And a big old house. And mm-hmm. from both sides, you've got rolling pastures north and south as a view. And it's just a shame. Like, I'm seeing more and more of these places that are just, there's more for sale signs going up on these big old beautiful farmhouses. And you kind of wish that people would just kind of just, you know, hey, I, if I'm a telecommuter, I I could work from anywhere. Let me go buy a cool old farmhouse and get it done. But no, I know. I I mean, we you know we talked about this a little bit. Uh, that's this is the government propaganda thing. Like everybody goes to the city, you get taken care of, you get your things, it's all good. You know, part of it is the I just think you know the the small p progress or or change. You know, we have become gradually more. Uh, urbanized society but what what i don't like are the megalopolises if that's how you pronounce that right i don't like the huge sprawling metroplexes where dc now stretches from basically annapolis maryland uh out to whoa past manassas virginia and you know as far as like south to fredericksburg and north almost up to baltimore you know there's just this huge sprawl i I I really do believe in small towns and small cities and individual and unique characters. Is the dog snoring? No, I went, to move, I went to move my foot and I just knocked him in the noggin, but oh. he's, I think he's asleep with his head up <laughs> off the floor. Right. He's always, oh yeah, he was asleep. Sorry, boo. <laughs> but you know, that, that's what I worry that we're losing are those... Uh, really unique towns. Um, yeah, you know the the not necessarily what Columbia, Maryland, for example, an absolutely really interesting old town that is just been and with some really neat old buildings. That's just it's completely disintegrated. Oh, Columbia, Virginia. Is it Columbia, Virginia? Yeah, yeah, that one, completely disintegrating. 
it, it, the bones of the buildings looked really interesting as we've driven past them on on several occasions, but there's just nothing there anymore, and yeah. it's a, it's a sad thing to see. But you know, and Columbia was the uh, smallest incorporated community in Virginia uh, until it became unincorporated, I think, last year. But but even bigger communities like. Uh, you know, you look at Roanoke, you look at Danville and Salem, and, right? I mean, had... Lynchburg, I think, is 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 doing okay well, because it's got Liberty big college, and it's got but right. all of the um, manufacturing right. plants and everything left. Mm-hmm. You know, all the all the reasons for all those big fancy houses on the hill were gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, out near uh, Patrick Henry's house in Virginia, I, I, I'm blanking on the name Red of the Bud? little town. Red, uh, Red Hill. Red, Red something. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a little town, and again, I'm blanking on the name of the little town, but mm-hmm. um, it's it used to be a cute little town. It had a couple of blocks of uh, you know buildings, and now I think that there's an antique Wait, there's, store. Didn't we go to lunch in one of those places? Yeah, and there's a brand new restaurant where somebody is you know it's trying to make a go of it. But the textile mill has shut down, uh, and there's just there's not much there, no. and that that to me, charity is what I I worry that we're losing. That we, are, you know, not everybody wants to live in a suburb. There are a lot of Americans who actually do want that small town experience. There are a lot of Americans who do want that rural way of life. And we need like a matchmaker program. Well, I mean, the, like the, uh, ur- the, the yeah. urbanite hipsters who want to live in like a cute little small town to make a go of it. We need to like yeah. But see, that's the thing. Up. I mean, you need more than just, it's kind of like talking about fixing the problems in the inner city. You need more than just one or two things to happen. Oh, you know, know, you need more I than know. just a, uh, finding the people who want to go there. You have to make sure, like you said, you know, you have to make sure that they can do a job. Uh, when they get there, and, uh, and there's you know, got to be the support structure to support that. Like you got to have grocery stores, you got to have a good school system, doctors, and everything else. It's kind of weird, right? Exactly. Like so all of the things that you don't think about unless you've played The Sims <laughs> in Sim City. Sim City, right? mostly Sim City. Yeah, because you have to keep all your citizens happy. You have to have water and electricity. You have to have hospitals and police stations and fire stations and schools within certain distances you don't realize how hard it is to plan a city unless you've played sim city all right we've got one more email i want to get to okay uh and this is from robin who said uh, cam the the passage that you read last week from cold friday made me cry well almost uh, i think part of the reason he said for doing my farm is so that the family has a fallback in case the economy goes belly up I think now it's mostly just to keep me busy off the street and causing trouble. Although I will have to emerge from the land of Yellowly County supervisors for not living within their means like I have to. They have the audacity to believe that they should raise property taxes again, but that's another story I'm sure you're not too interested in. Uh, oh, no, we're always interested in the uh, property tax increases. We've got proposals uh, down in Farmville as well uh, in that regard, Robin. Uh, anyway, Robin, uh, this is really, really cool. Robin says, I have finished my second documentary. My first was about Shenandoah University's 50th anniversary in Winchester in 2011. Uh, And Robin's second documentary is going to air on WVPT on Thursday, April 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern time. He says it's a detailed look at a local Virginia family's bicycle trip around the country. Their surprises, their difficulties, and what it took to pull off the trip and what they learned about their experience. Uh, he says it's interviews where there's still pictures from the trip. He says, I think it's pretty good, despite not having any budget. I even did the closed captions. Uh, that is fantastic, uh, Robin. That is awesome. 
Um, uh, as somebody who did make documentaries for a couple of years, I had a, a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and I love that way of telling a story. I, I so congratulations. Uh, Robin says, uh, I'm always experimenting with my garden. This year I'm trying to sprout from heirloom fruit that I dehydrated. So far, not so good, but you never know. My peach, uh, five peach trees that I've raised from pits are all blooming. And the mm. beehives, I'm sure, are very happy. Uh, he says, I don't have my own beehives. I did try, but it became the straw in the camel's back and had to break, uh, had to back mm. out. He says, I uh, sold the hives to a friend and he keeps them here. I'm his out yard. So I get all the pollinating benefits and a little honey to boot for the trouble. So it's a win-win. Oh, nice. Right? It's always and, a good relationship. And uh, and Robin says, if you didn't know, Virginia has a tiny grant available yeah. uh, to people interested in starting beehives. Yep. Yeah, they also have a program in Virginia so that you can actually get free trees, if you know about that one, too. Yeah. Uh, Robin says, uh, uh, he says, I had to fight uh, for four years, eventually contact my state delegate to, to get that tiny grant. He says, but when you combine the grant with what I sold the hives for, I broke even, which is not too shabby, and I still have the bees. So I guess that's a success for small-scale farming, right? Break even. And, and you get uh, some honey out of it, right? right? Yeah, so I would say that, that that absolutely is a success for small-scale farming, Robin. Yep. Uh, Robin, Liz, I appreciate you writing in. Robin had also asked, I know you had asked about uh, uh, does, and unfor- or excuse me, yeah, does. Unfortunately, it looks like we just didn't have them this year. Yeah, but, uh, this is the year of the buckling. We got two dolings. We sold one with her brother. To, to a family and then we're all, we're keeping the other one so yeah sorry maybe yeah. next year <laughs> if I do this again I'm gonna try to milk through um I think that uh, we are almost out of time here on this edition of uh, NRA News Cam and Company there was one more uh, email that I, I wanted to get to from our friend Rob out in California who uh, said Cam Whitaker Chambers is a very good writer but he also seems to have a thoroughly disagreeable attitude <laughs> <laughs> It's not that he had a thoroughly disagreeable attitude, uh, Rob. He was just cranky. Uh, yeah, and he, right. He was a, he would, look. He was a pessimist. He he really did think that uh, eventually communism was going to win the day. When you call me a pessimist, you think I have a disagreeable attitude. So I don't you think have you have a disagreeable attitude. Agree with I never him. say you have a disagreeable attitude, Missy. No, but you have called me on being a pessimist, <laughs> I which have. is rather dangerous. So I have concede he's correct. <laughs> uh, Rob says, speaking of uh, which, that piece by Kevin Williamson sounded like a man whose disdain for small towns is born of his cognitive dissonance between the unfulfilled promises of prosperity that his personal political faith makes and the poverty that it has wrought on the people of these towns. Uh, he says, it's a human failing shared by many who have unwittingly substituted a dogma for reason. But as you mentioned, he's smart. And smart people can come up with grand rationalizations when they can't ignore the fact that the world is not working out according to plan. It's far easier to blame others than reevaluate one's personal beliefs. I'm not blaming him, says Rob. We all do it to some degree, as the process is mostly transparent. But it doesn't mitigate the fact that blaming the victim is an emotional reaction, not a decision based in reason. Uh, he says, I know your choice of reading varies and that you have a keen interest in why people think the way that they do, but I must say I hope your next read is a little more cheerful or at least not as unpleasant. I'd hate to see you turn into an old sourpuss. Yeah, not so much with this <laughs> with this current thread. So. Did I tell you about the Forsaken, Rob? About the about Americans the left behind? And, right? and the, 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 the Great Depression and what's going on and oh, how it's all great in Russia, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, no, you know, here's, it's not happy. But, but here's the... Here's why it is happy. Oh. You ready? 
Yeah, I'm waiting. Because in the grand scheme of things, every one of those stories, despite the individual personal tragedies that are involved, every one of those books has a happy ending. Because the Berlin Wall comes down, the Soviet Union falls. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> All right, listen. <laughs> Dang it. I was I was feeling I good for a you second. You going really, woo! You are a pessimist, Missy. You have a last, thoroughly disagreeable attitude. It's that, uh, <laughs> I remember you told me once, I, we, I, I, it's one of those things that it's sort of like I need to have it tattooed on me somewhere. I was just like, it's not even that you think that the glass is half full or half empty. You're like, it's glass. It's going to break anyway. <laughs> and I will never forget that because it's kind of actually true. It is kind of actually true. Anyway, I, I think, Rob, that there is a, a bit of a hopeful message. Um, and again, you know, look, here, here's the thing. I think that we, um, what's that Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times? Yes. I think we live in incredibly interesting times, <laughs> Rob. Uh, but I am still an optimist, despite the, the gloomy things that I read about. One of, the, one of the reasons why I read the gloomy things is because I don't think that we expose ourselves to the gloomy parts of, uh, human history and human nature. I think we, we tend to shy away and we run from stuff like that. Look, we have an entire generation of college students who cannot handle uh, the sight of a campaign slogan from a candidate that they don't like. Oh, so, my gosh, those precious little snowflakes. Right? Go the freak home. So, you know, part about reading the, the unpleasant stuff is it, it is trying to toughen you up a little bit. It's at least making you making me aware, trying to make myself aware. I don't even think it's that, too. I'm not, no, not that. Sorry. Not only is it that, too, it's also that you get a greater appreciation of what you actually have when you read that sort of thing. Like, Yes. The grass was apparently greener for some of these people on the Soviet side, but then the reality was like, whoa. Right. This is not good. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you're like, well, you sort of probably need to look into things before you just go jumping in headlong. Like, don't freeze your head. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Exactly. Yeah. But no matter how gloomy the books that I read might be, Rob, I have baby goats to cuddle. Oh, and that and makes they're it all so better. cute. Oh, my gosh. People go squee. <laughs> all right, listen, we're going to uh, get out of here. Thank you again for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. You can send us an email, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Until we talk again, have a great week. Be safe. Have fun. Live a little. Learn a lot. And we will see you here soon on another and, edition. And drink goat's milk. And if you've got it. Or, you know, or try it. Don't just, you know, blow if it you, off. If you got it. Chevra. Try Chevra. Don't, try, try, you know, try. Don't, don't go taking anybody else's goat milk. No. But, uh, oh, my gosh. That whole thing about people you know, stealing goats around here was crazy. Right. We, we, we aren't. We aren't. Bernie Sanders supporters, we are not appropriating goats. No. Although I did see appropriating goats open up for Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> All right, have a fantastic week, everybody. We'll see you here soon on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.